Cool. So thanks for joining me. Um, would you would you like to introduce yourself to, to everyone, Cooper? Sure, Sam. Um, so my name is Cooper Quinn. I'm the current president of the North Shore Mountain Bike Association, the NSMBA. And then as well, uh, kind of in the outdoor rec world, I also sit on the board of directors for the Outdoor Recreation Council of BC. But primarily um, for you know this, I think we're chatting NSMBA stuff. Um, so my name's Sam. I'm a mechanic and I'm also the uh, social media coordinator over at Steed Cycles. Um, this is the first in hopefully a few of our podcasts here. Um, talking to Cooper today about the NSMBA, how the whole COVID-19 thing is affecting them and the work they do. Um, but first I want to talk to Cooper just a little bit about himself. Um, so just tell us about yourself. Where are you from um, originally? Yeah, so I'm originally from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I moved up here in 2004 to go to school. So I went to Simon Fraser University and I mean, honestly, the reason I picked uh, this location for my university was I picked school based on where I could ski and ride my bike. Seems like a pretty familiar story. I, I kind of moved here myself, you know, for, for the riding. That's, you know, what I've based most of my, uh, most of my decisions in life on. And yeah, it's, once you get here, it's, it's pretty easy to get involved in the scene. You know, everyone here is so, so passionate about it, which is really cool. Yeah, it's everyone who's involved. And that's one of the things I really love about the association is that everyone who's involved in it, um, you know, volunteers or paid employees is it's not it's it's a passion project. You know, and so everybody cares a lot. And that has its own set of challenges associated with it because everyone does care so much. But um, it, everyone's coming at it from a good place. Mm -hmm. That's super cool. That's good to know. Um, so what what were your first thoughts when you when you got to the North Shore? What, what did you think about the trails and stuff like that? My first ride on the shore um, would have been on a trip back from Whistler in probably 2001 or 2002. It would, it's kind of it's somewhere in there. Um, and so we're coming back from Whistler and uh, it was right uh, during the heyday of CBC, really. Um, so maybe it was a little bit later. Maybe it was a three, somewhere in there. But at any rate, um, so rode CBC. Um, Corkscrew, Pingu, Pangor, uh, and then went over to the Cove when the Cove was in the Cove and uh, yeah. stopped by the shop there and then went there jumping at Myrtle and was like, wow, that was amazing. And then then continued on south back home. And a couple of years later, was kind of looking at schools and stuff like that. And so took another trip to Whistler um, and then checked out uh, Simon Fraser on the way home and stuff. But then, so once I got here, um, started exploring more of the shore and it was kind of, you know, 2004 2005 and it was there's so many woodwork and it was it was kind of the shore as the shore had been portrayed in uh you know the videos i'd seen and everything like that and I, was, I, mm -hmm. I loved it yeah it was a very different style of riding but i i loved it and the bikes at the time uh were well suited for it mm -hmm. high bottom bracket steep head angle exactly yeah the bottom bracket 14 inch bottom brackets and stuff like that <laughs> yeah for sure flat pedals everywhere Man, it, yeah, I, I really, I really liked it when I first got here because, you know, having ridden in a bunch of different places around the world, you kind of see um, the way people have tried to imitate the the riding here um, with, you know, skinnies and ladder bridges and stuff. And a lot of times it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But, you know, you come ride here, you ride something like CBC or Boogeyman, you're like, okay, I get it. Like, this makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. And, you know, that's part of... Um 
part of the weight, I guess, that I feel on my shoulders sometimes is the legacy that's here and the history that's here. And, you know, you can go across the world to kind of wherever you're from and or whatever bike park you're in. And they have some trail somewhere that's got a bunch of, you know, air quotes, North Shore features on it. And it's a bunch of probably polished two by fours, but uh, it's elevated woodwork. And, you know, that's the legacy that we have. And right now it's it's trying to balance how balance that legacy and make sure that we maintain that because there is still a lot of people that want to ride that kind of woodwork and those kinds of features with modern bikes, modern riders, modern trail design and stuff like that. And trying to make sure we keep, keep, keep our history alive as well as pushing the sport forward. This is, uh, is a challenge. Definitely. I've heard a lot of people talk about kind of dumbing down the shore and I definitely don't want to accuse you guys of doing that for sure. Um, Cause you know, I, I got here and, and there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, to me, still pretty gnarly, you know, um, I, I feel like, yeah, there, there are probably some sacrificial trails out there, but there's still like, you know, you go up from, you could ride, you know, Bookless, Granny's, Upper Crippler, and they're, they're pretty wild still. Yeah, I mean, you know, like over the past, and from 2011 or so, 2010 onwards there, there, there was a, 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 a number of trails that the association ultimately took um, and did make easier. And, I, you know, a lot of the lower from area and some of the stuff on Seymour as well. There was a few trails that did definitely become just easier. And part of that was because the membership through surveys and through actual data had identified and the association had identified the lack of progression in our trail network as a real problem. Um, and, you know, yes, it was fine in 1998 or 2000 to just throw yourself into the deep end, but we've realized that there's better ways to do these things now. And so some of those trails became easier, um, but that was for the health of the trail network as a whole. And part of the challenge there is that we're not blessed with some of the things that other associations have the luxury of doing, like building a bunch of new trails. We're super topographically confined or geographically confined based on our land managers. We're very topographically combined in that our whole area is super steep and super rugged. Um, mm -hmm. And we just ultimately don't have the space and terrain to build a bunch of new easy trails. So what was done was taking some of the old trails and making them different. Um, but I do take exception now to some of when people tend to um, throw a dummy down the shore around sometimes these days because just because trails are different um, doesn't necessarily mean they are hard or dumbed down or less hard or anything like that. And what, what I find a lot of is people um, have latched on to a particular variation of a specific trail and that to them is the best variation of that trail and anything else is, uh, is sacrilege. And unfortunately, the only thing that is constant in the trails world is change. And whether you liked Ned's when it was a loamer um, or you like Ned's now, um, mm -hmm. Ned's won't be the same in 15 years. And sure. there's nothing I, nothing I can do about that. <laughs> yeah, it's part, of, it's part of the forest. The forest is going to reclaim it or, you know, the trail is going to get, you know, ridden a lot and rutted out. It's, you know, just part of what happens is the natural, part of the natural evolution of it, I guess. Totally. Um, and the, the other challenge here is, you know, we have you've ever been here in the winter is a um, little bit of water on the trails and so uh, so that's a huge challenge for us and so all of these kind of factors combine to um, to me yeah I, I 
struggle when people say we've dumbed down trails, but at the end of the day, I can I can see where some of that comes from. But I think that the progression exists if they're out there to look for it. And as you point out, there's uh, there's plenty of challenging trails out there. Oh yeah, for sure. I've definitely uh, I've definitely tried to ride a few of them. <laughs> Interpretive forest walks are uh, sometimes lovely to take your bike on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You probably get asked this one a bit. What's your favorite trail? A bit like when people ask, what's my favorite whiskey? Um, it depends on what day of the week it is and what the weather's like. And uh, what, you know, these days it depends a lot on what bike I'm on. Um, you know, I live at the bottom of Seymour here. So my, my go-to is generally Seymour just because um, I can pedal out my front door to it. Uh, if I had to pick a trail on Seymour, it would, if I had to pick a lap on Seymour, um, I'd be up through the Blair Range, Academy, Penny Lane, RT Connector, Penny Lane, Goodser Martin, all the way up to top, Corkscrew, Pingu, Boogeyman, splitting hairs between Boogeyman and Boogie Nights, but one of those two, mm -hmm. um, and then over and out through, uh, back down through the Blair Range. Nice. Would be kind of, would that, that'd be my, if I just had one quick lap to do, um, it, it'd be a Boogeyman lap. That's a good one. I, I think Boogeyman's probably one of my favorite trails right now as well. I, it's so fun. I uh, I love that one. And mm -hmm. it, there's so much history on that trail too. If you just look left and right and stuff like that. Like, what is this giant thing that I've never stopped and actually noticed? Yeah. You're too focused on the on riding the other technical thing in front of you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> people need to get out and hike the trails more. Sometimes I think the, the amount of stuff you see on foot that you don't notice when you're riding, trying not to die is... Uh, it's cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I've actually been meaning to get out and try to hike um, Flying Circus at some point. And very worthwhile. Um, very, very worthwhile. It's <laughs> like, it's just, you look, especially at uh, the first couple of features, and you're just like, what on earth was Dan thinking? <laughs> like, this is insane. Crazy. And then there's a few low-key people I know kicking around that, you know, they rode all of the circus, and it just immediately puts them up on a pedestal to me because yeah. it's, it's nuts. Did you, um, have you ever met Kim, um, the owner of Steed? Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. He's, he's been around since, uh, since those days. And have you, have you ever seen the, the crank videos and stuff? Of, of oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So cool. Kim, Kim's in a bunch of those and, uh, yeah, it's funny to see Kim then versus Kim now. And, you know, I'm in some ways, um, I have to laugh at my history there too, where I look at myself now and as we segue slowly, um, or towards uh, COVID-19 talk, you know, I'm spending most of my time on my gravel bike right now. And like, when I moved up here, I was like, road shorts and 46 tooth front chain ring and jeans, you know, hiking up from and now I haven't owned a downhill bike in a decade and pedal everywhere. And you know, mm -hmm. Kim's went gone from those North Shore extreme videos to um, I don't think I'd want to challenge that guy to a pedaling competition. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I've, I, I've done it many times and uh, I never win. <laughs> No, no, I don't think there's a lot of ways to win. But, and he's he's another one of those, um, there's a bunch of other North Shore guys kind of in that same elk too, where, you know, they learned to ride all of this stuff on bikes that were, let's be honest, they were terrible. Um, <laughs> and so now that they have good bikes under them, uh, they're, they're unstoppable. So with COVID-19, and so we've, I've seen your, um, I've seen the NSMBA Instagram page and all that stuff. Um, what so would you mind just kind of like talking about the recommendations that you guys are making uh for people to to ride right now 
For sure. And, you know, I'd I point out to people that we're talking here on um, Good Friday, April 10th, because, you know, and I say that because I think this is an incredibly fluid situa situation and it evolves mm -hmm. um, day to day, really. And so what we're trying to do is balance the best interests of, um, you know, us and our the mental health of our community and membership, as well as, you know, really just trying to follow what the provincial guidelines are and, you know, fall in line behind uh, Dr. Henry and uh, Dr. Tam at the federal level. And so our guidelines at this point in time are, you know, ultimately to stay local. Um, so ride the closest mountain to you, preferably if, um, because of all the issues we're seeing at the parking lots and grouping up and stuff like that. Don't drive there if you, if you don't have to. Um, and only ride with members of your own immediate household and then on your trail choice it's you know, play it safe i think the last place you want to be right now um is in the hospital and mm -hmm. accidents happen it's part of our sport um but trying to lower that uh, risk uh you know the the incidence of risk is quite high in mountain biking so anything you can do to lower that then that's just riding a little bit more relaxed, slowing it down a little bit, not being in a hurry to get anywhere. Maybe that thing you ride 75% of the time, maybe don't ride it right now because, you know, there's two aspects of, I think, not wanting to be in the hospital system. It's A, um, well, three, A, you don't want to be there at the best of times. Um, B, you know, right now it's not a great place to be because it's where's the highest incidence of COVID-19 kicking around, probably in the hospital system. And I think they've got it fairly set up such that you're not likely to catch it there, but you're probably more likely to catch it there than you are walking down the street. And B, our healthcare professionals need all the rest. They need all the PPE. They need all the beds and everything like that that they can. And so everything we can do to stay out of there right now is good. Um, so everyone's got to find their own personal risk <clears throat> tolerance level. And if you're comfortable going out and riding espresso cool go for it if you're comfortable riding executioner cool go for it you know just be careful um myself personally as i said i'm spending most of my time on my gravel bike right now and it's not that that's without risk um but the you know there's people there's risk and hazard and risk is <clears throat> the chances of something happening basically and the consequence is what's going to happen if you encounter that risk and on my gravel bike i figure most of the time if i fall off on that thing i'm going to skin myself up um mm -hmm. whereas on my mountain bike i tend to break wrists or blow shoulders up or do things like that and those are things that put me in the hospital yeah. and but yeah so we're just trying to follow the provincial guidelines and just as that changes day to day to day but ultimately it's ride very safely um, ride only with members in your immediate household and Try not to drive to the trailhead right now if you can. Um, that's where we're seeing the biggest impacts. On um, that's where we're going to lose our access is those parking lot crowds and groups and photos of that getting sent to politicians and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I was going to ask you um, with regard to like um, how they're how they're making decisions on these kind of things. Um, do they have like any kind of metric or is it just kind of based on? you know, anecdotal evidence, people sending photos to, to people and stuff like that? There's, a, I think most politicians from the local level all the way up to federal are doing their level best to base their changes and policies and regulations and stuff on what the health officials and health professionals are saying. That said, um, all politicians are openly accountable to their constituencies. And if they have 
40 homeowners in a three block radius all yelling and screaming about how many people are parking in their lawns because they want to get to the trails they're going to do something about it um i think the reason we're still seeing trail access open is because our health professionals are still saying you know people need to get outside and people need to exercise mm -hmm. is dr henry thinking of mountain biking on the north shore when she says go for a bike ride let's be honest probably not mm -hmm. um but they are still saying, get out there, be active. You know, mental health is going to be huge as we go through this continued lockdown. Um, so I think it, it's a combination of both in that I do think that most politicians are well-meaning enough at this point in the pandemic here to be trying to follow the health recommendations. But again, they will, they, they are ultimately accountable to the people that live in their communities and they will answer to them in some ways. And we do, we see both of those effects, I think. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty difficult situation to navigate, I guess. Um, you know, the, the outdoors is a big part of the culture here, you know, getting out in, in the mountains. And, you know, for me, that's why I came here. And I'm sure that's why a lot of people choose to live on the North Shore. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, it's why a significant portion of the DNV residents live within the DNV and on the shore as well. And even if you don't live on the shore, you maybe pick your place in Burnaby or in Coquitlam or in the Fraser Valley because it's, you know, access to recreation and trails. It's, it's a huge component of it. And then I would hate to lose that. And again, I think politicians understand that. Um, For but sure. so, yeah, recreate in your own community, I think is one of the biggest things, you know, we're, with uh with the weekends what we've seen is people traveling to recreate and that's a challenge but uh as as a slight bit of evidence too which is to your anecdote point earlier you know what we see what we see on the internet is maybe not always reality and mm -hmm. um there's a certain community somewhere between the north shore and whistler that has been very upset about all of the people coming to ride their trails um lately and what the trail forks data actually shows is that there's less people than normal traveling to ride there and there's two times the amount of locals riding on the trails right now that are normally riding there so what um squamish we'll call it is uh is actually seeing and what the real data reflects are two different things and i think we see that here on the shore where there's a lot of people very concerned about how busy the trailheads are and all of these things and they were really busy last year too yeah <laughs> yeah i i remember i remember the um you know Braemar looking um looking pretty busy all year round last year from about this time so and exactly it's so it, it there is anecdotes and there is some data but there's not a lot of real hard data for people to make these kinds of decisions on we just have to do our best and everyone's trying I'm, I'm really glad i'm not in a position where i have to make decisions like any of the actual elected officials are having to make because there's mm -hmm. trade-offs every single way because if they close access to the forest ultimately that's going to have impacts on people's mental health and that has real life concerns people need to relax and be kind to each other out there and realize that we're all in the same boat here um for sure that yeah everyone is anxious everyone is stressed everyone's trying to do their best i i've admittedly been a little bit kind of cautious to go riding with all of my housemates because you know if we all get out on the trails that's five of us together and you know it looks like a big group but like you say we live together so <clears throat> totally and if you if you can feel like you can get out there and be 
you know, safe enough, then, then all, by all means. But again, some of it's just optics for yourself as well. And is it worth getting yelled at by somebody? Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Honestly, I quite enjoy riding on my own anyway. So I, I do a lot of my riding on my own and you know, I'm a social creature, but a lot of my riding is just where I can fit it in. And um, mm -hmm. so there's only so many people that can go riding with like three minutes warning. And <laughs> yeah. so I just tend to pop out on the trails. And if I run into people, great. And if I don't, I, I quite like being out there by myself and just uh, just pedaling. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of part of the nice thing of, of being a mountain biker, right? Sometimes it's nice to just get into the forest and not see anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's plenty, of, I think, even with busy trails and there's plenty, plenty of spaces to do that. Uh, what, what has changed for you guys in the last kind of month or so? Uh, revenue, <laughs> as, as I'm sure you guys have seen as well. Um, you know, it's, we, we're lucky in that a lot of our sponsors had already paid their 2020 bills um, going into it, I think, because um, what we're seeing is that some of the people who had committed to 2020 sponsorships are, and hadn't paid yet are now they're in a tough spot and you know as much as they want to support us they might not be able to and sure they signed a contract it's not something i'm going to hold there yeah. you know i'm not what am i going to do i i, I want to work with them um and so revenue is definitely down um fairly significantly so we've had to adjust our budget quite a bit already um we're in a fairly good space and that i think we can do that um and part of the way we can do that as well is that the areas that we can do trail work right now are fairly restricted as well um, some of our land managers have basically cut us back to emergency only trail work uh, and you know imminent safety related trail work and so that means ultimately we're spending less money on the trail crew and stuff so that kind of trims some of our budget as well um, and then you know the other big impact we're seeing is that we can't have any of our events we're ultimately a community-based organization that runs events um, and be that five-person volunteer trail days with some of our sponsors um, be that the fivers of you know 200 people or the season opener party that we had planned um, we can't do any of that and that's I think that's you know, the revenue is one thing, the organization will survive, we're fine. But I think that's where we're kind of feel all feeling it the most is that community feel and that social interaction and all of those events that really come together to, uh, to make the association what it is. And unfortunately, we will also see the impacts of that, the lack of that volunteerism and volunteer engagement on the trails. Um, because we can't do all of the work that we want to do, you know, we the majority of our trail work is not the trail crew it is volunteer hours and mm -hmm. that's not really happening right now in significant way our builders a lot of our builders are out there on their own time just plugging away at little projects here and there but mm -hmm. it's no longer a builder plus four or five other people um, yeah. and so it just really limits the amount of work they can do i i noticed that we were scheduled to have a trail day today um on penzo <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, you know, that's not happening and the trails are very, very busy out there. So there will be real, real impacts on this uh, to the trails and we will have to do some catch up work on the other side. But again, I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm stressed about or concerned about. It's just something that we will have to deal with when the time comes. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the other thing I'd like to say too is that one of the things we're seeing right now is there's a lot of people out there who maybe have more time on their hands or maybe don't feel like they should be riding bikes or 
are just looking for something to do and they're out doing trail work. And these people are very well-meaning and I love the volunteer spirit and everything, but ultimately a, a lot of the work we're seeing out there is not helpful. Um, mm -hmm. And our builders are having to go and undo work that's being done by people who are, again, they're trying to be helpful generally. And I love that. But unfortunately now is not the time to go do a bunch of volunteer trail work. It's not the time to go build that jump in the middle of a trail. It's not the time to go add some berms to boundary. Um, <laughs> yeah. True story. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So, and, and we don't have our trail crew out there or anything, which is usually kind of our eyes on the ground to mm -hmm. go chat with these people and just to be like, Hey, look, love the enthusiasm. Let's try to direct this in a good way. So there are, I think there are things that people, if people are desperately looking for stuff to do out there on the trails, they can do. Um, you know, we can always be clearing drains and stuff like that. But another big one is uh, invasive species. Educate yourself a little bit around what English Holly and some of the others look like and drag some of that out of the trails. That's always work we can do. That's always appreciated. Mm -hmm. please don't go build that jump or that berm. Um, <laughs> and we will harness your volunteer spirit um, to rebuild the trails here. Yeah. I, I did see a whole ton of leaf litter on um, up Royal can as I went past the other day. So if Perfect. go rake it. That. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's an, that's, it's, it's one of those. And that's something we, I know other associations are seeing as well is um, just a significant rise in unauthorized trail work. And that is a real challenge for all associations because again, unfortunately it just means that a lot of times those builders have to go and a lot of more volunteers volunteer their own time to undo somebody else's work instead of working on the project that they wanted to work on. So I probably know the answer to this already, but how can, how can we as the public, as a community kind of help support the NSMBA right now? I hate to say it's as simple as, but well, it's, it's one volunteering in a good way as we kind of just chatted about there. Um, be being a good ambassador to the sport of mountain biking and realizing that as soon as you hop on your bike and roll down the driveway or throw your bike on the back of your car, you are an immediately identifiable user group. And if you go blasting past some, you know, stroller in a crosswalk, they see your mountain bike and they realize that you're a mountain biker. You park in a bad way, you're a mountain biker. You go blasting by someone on the trails, you're a mountain biker. And whether justified or not, we're just more visible. And so as soon as you put that bike on, you're an ambassador. And if we want to maintain access through these challenging times, be on your best behavior and be kind and be courteous to everyone you see out there. Um, mm -hmm. And then ultimately dollars, unfortunately, it's kind of that simple. Um, we, we, you know, like I said, we're in a fairly good place, but I'd like to keep all of our employees doing the best work that we can do through these times. Um, and so if you, ha I realize these are tough times for everyone from sponsors to individuals, but um, if you've got an extra five, 10, 20 bucks or whatever, like that's kind of what we need right now because we can't use your volunteer hours. My, um, my housemates all bought um, NSMBA memberships this year because they were hoping to race the fivers. Um, obviously that's not going to happen. Um, we'll see. They're, can they're canceled through the end of May right now. Um, we're hopeful, still hopeful uh that there will be some fibers and we're trying to work on some con contingency plans for later in the year so we're, we'll see mm -hmm. as we talk about it's, it's an ever moving target but um yeah yeah so yeah people can buy memberships that's a huge that's always a huge one um and that that those dollars are go straight to uh keeping everything moving as well well hopefully when all this uh 
you know, when we can get together again, hopefully we'll get, you know, a few more volunteers out. I hope so. Um, and yeah, certainly part of our plans will be to have some big community events to put everyone together when, when we can and when that's actually recommended from, uh, from the provincial health officials um, and not before that point in time. But yeah, getting everyone out there back again, I think will make everybody really happy and we can uh, continue to do the work that we were doing. You know, we've got some, again, some big plans and some big projects that we were starting to talk about with a couple of different land managers, but everything's just on hold right now. And, you know, all of the land managers are going to see significant changes to their budgets as well. As well. Um, so we just don't know what that looks like. Have you, um, have you guys seen um, like a lot of um, big changes in other parts of the bike industry that, that you might be in contact with? So you broke up just a tiny bit there, but some big changes in the, the bike. I'll let you say that question again. Have you, have you seen any kind of changes in the bike industry, um, you know, with other businesses that, that you guys might be in contact with? From, from uh, the COVID stuff, it's, I think everyone is dialing budgets back aggressively. Um, and that's from big OEMs to you know, little parts suppliers and to local bike shops as well, as I'm sure you're acutely aware. Um, you know, the revenue impacts of this slowdown are from top to bottom. And that starts at uh, the individual level where people are unemployed or underemployed and can no longer purchase all of the parts that they want to. And mm -hmm. you guys then don't sell as much. You're not buying as much. It goes all the way up. And, you know, the, the big companies, um, be it uh big bike companies or big component manufacturers, whatever it happens to be, they're all very aware of that. And so I've dialed everything back a lot um, mm -hmm. straight out of the gate. Like I said, I think we were lucky in, in that we got a lot of our sponsors in already and committed and paid. Um, but I think the impacts of this for us will continue well into the next year or two as well. Mm -hmm. It's been a pretty interesting one for us um, as a bike shop. Um, our, our kind of... Um, captive audience has changed a little bit almost because um we we've just been we've been pretty busy with commuters and e-bikes and people just kind of wanting to get a bike to get out of the house now because you know um everybody retired at once almost you know well you know anecdotally um one of the things i think i'm seeing and other people have mentioned this as well but a lot of people and this plays into the risk um assessment stuff we were talking about earlier but i'm seeing a lot of people out there on bikes that aren't new and with equipment that looks like maybe they haven't ridden in the past five or six or seven or 10 years. And they decided to pull the bike out because that's what they can do. And they're up there riding on the shore. And that's a little bit um, nerve wracking to me for all of the risk management reasons we talked about. But mm -hmm. then the other aspect too, is as you're saying, commuting wise and everything, people I think have realized that, um, you know, bike commuting solves some of the, concerns people have with public transit and everything right now um so i'm hopeful that on the backside of all of this that maybe society's learned something and we can do a little better um, and we see more bike commuters year round and stuff like that i, I love that if that's one of the outcomes here sure. and so it's encouraging to me to hear that people are pulling old bikes out to go commuting on and to just to get some exercise on i love that i i feel pretty fortunate to be you know in the industry that i'm in we're um yeah, we're doing okay. I, I'm I'm pretty happy that I'm you know working in arguably one of the one of the better bike shops around. Um, I kind of have to say that, but yeah, I, I really like it. 
And I don't pick favorites. <laughs> that's fair. And yeah, our customers have, have been really understanding of this whole thing. You know, everything's taking us a lot longer these days. And, um, you know, we have to disinfect everybody that comes in and fully clean it before we can do any work at all. And, you know, people have just been pretty, pretty understanding of, of everything that we're doing for them, which is, which is cool. It's great. Yeah. And I think, again, that's one of the things that we are, that it does make me hopeful here is that we are seeing most people just really trying to do their best and figure out how to make things work. And a lot of times that comes at personal expense to them in some way, shape or form, but they're willing to make that sacrifice. And mm -hmm. that's a lesson I hope we can all retain. Yeah, for sure. I, it's definitely brought out the best in some people, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, I think our takeaways are just really it's follow the provincial health guidelines and support support local businesses. Um, you know, we last night when we tend to do takeout one night a week. Um, we did delivery last night and we literally picked it based on a restaurant that we wanted to make sure not somewhere we usually get takeout from, but based on a restaurant that we wanted to make sure survived through this and we know they're struggling. Um, yeah. And so making choices like that in your day-to-day -day life right now. And then, you know, yeah, like I said, you know, there's very real budget implications for this for us as an association as well. So we'd love to see support from, uh, from you as you can. And if you're finding solace in the trails and calm in the trails, and that's part of how, how you're surviving this, um, please mm -hmm. support us. Thank you. <laughs> cool. For sure. Hello, Sam. Well, thanks for All the right. time. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you for that.